Welcome to season one, episode 12 of JK Not Really. It is our last episode for season one. Can you believe it? No. I mean, I still can't <laughs> believe that we even started a podcast most days. So I definitely can't believe that it's our last episode of our first season. True, 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 true. But also pretty freaking cool that we stuck to it and we're still moving forward with this. Accountability, baby. Absolutely. On a Saturday afternoon, look at us. I know, especially I was the most basic fall bitch this morning and I loved every second of it. What did you do? I literally told Andrew, all I want to do this weekend, all I care about is getting pumpkins and getting mums. I don't care what else happens, but that's what I need to do. And it came to fruition this morning. We went to like a local flower shop and I got like all the pumpkins, all the moms. We went for coffee before that. I mean, I drank chai tea because I don't drink coffee, but the aesthetic was still there. (laughs) That sounds like a perfect morning though. Like it's always needed to do those little things for like the holiday season. Yeah. It's like, the festive. It just makes you feel more like you're in the full season of everything. Absolutely. Like I know Stephen and I last week and we got like the little sugar cookies with like the holidays pattern on it. Watched like Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town. We got like Halloween candles. It was just the perfect night too. So I I hear you. I love that. I mean, I can't watch scary movies, so I'm not the best Halloween person. But, but Hocus Pocus is different. I'll, I'll watch Hocus Pocus okay. every year for sure. You have to. And also Hocus Pocus is not scary at all. No, 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 no. But when people like really get like, I have some friends that like genuinely love like the horror movies. Uh-huh. I cannot do that. Did you know they actually came out with a study to do like the top like 20th, like scariest movies based on like an individual's like heart rate? I would probably be on that list. I swear. Like I've, I've left movie theaters before. Oh, wow. Like yeah, it's just not, no, it's just not ah. for me. Like I think I'm just, I don't get any enjoyment out of it. I just get nightmares. Like I'm just scarred for life. No, I get that. I mean, that's just who you are. I mean, there's like a certain like genre, like I can't do anything with like spirits or ghosts. All right. No, no, stay away. But if it's like Jason coming to like kill 50 people and there's blood everywhere, I'm just eating my popcorn, like enjoying it. I see. I would, I would take on the opposite. I would take the ghosts and the spirits over Jason coming to kill me. It doesn't like kill in his dreams, whatever. See, cause I can't even sit through. It. I don't even know the context because I literally can't even sit through it. I don't have time for that. I need to protect my peace. <laughs> do whatever you need to do. but if that is your way of getting into it this season then you go it is just not for it absolutely do you (laughs) do you baby but anyways getting back on topic this is a trigger warning because we're going to get more into just some psychoeducation with trauma what it may look like um Jack, I know you went through some traumatic events in your life and I did as well. So we're kind of just opening up another can of worms per se. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, please don't uh, beat yourself up or anything you need to do what's best for you. Check in with yourself. And if you need to leave, do so. Absolutely. I think one of the 
main reasons why we're providing space for this, especially as we're ending the first season of our podcast is because the feedback we have received were mostly they like our listeners felt the most interested or the most engaged when one of us truly opened up about some of our traumatic experiences. And so in addition to some of the votes we've gotten on social media, we're just kind of leaning into that today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which I mean, personally with my background, I love talking about it. (laughs) So this is is like Christmas morning for you. It is. It is. It's funny because before we started recording, I was telling Jack that I need like a word or phrase to know that I'm not like going down the rabbit hole because there's so many different things I can talk about. Yeah, we needed we needed a safe word. (laughs) (laughs) No. I love I love that you can do that. I love that you have that much expertise and knowledge that you can do that. Um, but we'll just save some of it so we have other stuff to talk about throughout next season because if we give all away our goods right away, then we're not setting ourselves up. But I think I think what and I've asked about, like asked you about this in the past. I think it's about making like learning about trauma more accessible. So do you think you can like shine a light on that? Like maybe what trauma is in general, how there's like what generational trauma is and what it can even look like, because I still feel like you say things to me sometimes and I'm like, oh, that was trauma. Like that was a trauma reaction. Like I wouldn't know genuinely. Yeah. And I mean, don't beat yourself up for that because it's really hard without the education experience and background, because for you, it is like a natural response for your body to feel this way, to act this way. And it's also like a defense mechanism to, to protect yourself, to not get hurt again. For sure. So overall, like, let's start at the beginning, what trauma is. So trauma can look different for each and every individual, just how anxiety and depression looks different and even stress too. However, if we're going into the DSM criteria of trauma, it's an individual enduring some physical, psychological pain, or even watching an individual that they are close to go through an experience that have caused a lasting effect on them. So it's either that you went through something that you experienced someone that you love going through something and that it happened once or it happened multiple times throughout your life and that your body has a physical reaction now to a specific event. So for example, it could be physical abuse that you endured, even like as a kid, like getting bullied on the playground. And that just like rooted in you that you have this fear of interacting with others now. Or it could be a loss of a pet because it was near and dear to you and it had a lasting effect. Or it could be witnessing a car accident. There's so many different things that could be considered trauma because your body reacts and responds differently to each event. Everybody is truly different and unique in that area. Right. And I think that's that last part for me. And I think when you read it on paper, it makes a lot of sense. Like you can feel like, be exposed to trauma by witnessing. Yes. Right. I think that's where most of my trauma comes from. It wasn't mm-hmm. so much that it was directly happening to me. It was more witnessing, for example, my parents go through something very, very difficult with one another 
individually and just really watching them. And I think that's where a lot of my trauma, trauma comes from. Like I even watched, and I think more so with my one parent's second divorce is arguably more traumatic for me than my actual parents divorce because I was older. So I was more aware. And I think that's also where I learned maybe why my older siblings sometimes seemingly are more affected by my parents divorce than sometimes I am because I was so young. But I think that was like a, I think when I experienced it, when I was older, certain things about my siblings and their reactions started to make a lot more sense to me. No, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like textbook criteria for what you're just stating, especially as like a young child. Most individuals, if trauma has happened as um, in their childhood, they don't remember it. Our brain is quite beautiful that um, we tend to forget painful memories so we can continue to move forward. You're kind of like in a survivor mode. You're trying to get through the next day. And what's trauma to an event that has caused you to feel unsafe? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, and again, this took more reflecting as I got older, but I remember first specifically, it was like a really, really hot summer night and my dad's house, we didn't have central air. We just had like individual AC units, but I didn't have one in my room yet. So he was like, just crack the window, like just crack the window when you sleep. And I remember he was trying to crack it. And I literally started freaking out because like somewhere in my brain, it had to deal with like, no, then someone could get in and take me away from you. Or this has to do with something about my safety being compromised. If this window is open while I'm asleep. Yeah. But that sounds like anxiety, not a reaction to a traumatic event. And now that makes more sense to me. But when I was like, younger before I had an awareness of like all the different ways anxiety can like manifest because I used to say that I don't have anxiety because Mm -hmm. I didn't have the like enabling panic attacks or I didn't have what I mainly associated with anxiety I genuinely used to say oh I'm so thankful I don't have anxiety (laughs) I know which is is comical based on what I just told you but I just didn't have I just didn't have the awareness I mean, just like with every mental disorder, there's so many spectrums to it, such as anxiety is persistent racing thoughts and these like uncontrollable worries that you have. That is anxiety. 100%, which now I'm like, heck yeah, shout out to my anxiety girls. Like (laughs) I see you, I denied you for like 15 years, but like I'm with you now. Yeah. But a trauma response is even if you're not aware that a traumatic event happened to you and then you're re uh, witnessing something, there's like a specific stimuli, like it can even be like a scent that you're experiencing that brings you back to that moment. It's all of a sudden you feel like this overwhelmed feeling of being unsafe and your body doesn't know how to react. And what's actually happening is your amygdala is starting to fire away these sensations of anxiety and fear. And with trauma too, um, your memory is distorted. So then your memory is also shooting out long-term, short-term memories. So that's why we have like dissociations a little bit too. That makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think what we talked about, because this is such a sensitive topic, right? Like I think something that's really important that we do before every episode is we talk about our boundaries and we talk about what we're comfortable with talking about and what we're not comfortable with. 
And I think you brought up something in the conversation we had before this, which was, yeah, trauma can happen from a very young age and affect you forever, or trauma can happen to you much later in life, which is what you experienced. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that I had a really good childhood. My parents are still married. I never witnessed them like fight with one another. Like I know they had arguments, but I know that they would do it like in a secure room with like lower voices. So I wouldn't hear it. Um, however, trauma didn't happen to me until my mid twenties when I was in a very abusive relationship and I'm still affected by it to this day. And even as a therapist and I'm still growing, uh, seeing my own therapist, I'm recognizing other triggers that I haven't been made aware of yet. And that's, what's also interesting to me. The fact that you could still have triggers that you don't know of. Absolutely. And what I do is I think it was like Thursday. I was just feeling really, really anxious. This overwhelming sense of anxiety. Like my heart rate was like in the eighties when it's usually like in the sixties. And I'm like, what is going on? So what I tend to do is I go through my camera roll to see if any pictures can remind myself of past events that can connect. Oh, this is why I'm reacting because with trauma, our body stores onto specific events and then a year can pass. We're not thinking about it. And then our body has a physical reaction that's correlated to that date that the trauma occurred. Isn't that wild? Yes. But it also makes a lot of sense why in certain cases it takes people so long to open up or become aware of certain traumas, especially with what you talked about with the effect that it has on our memories. Absolutely. So think of individuals that served our nation, that served our country, and then 4th of July comes. Even that date, like leading up to it, they can be extremely anxious. They're having a lot of triggers, a lot of flashbacks. Nothing's happening. It's just the date that's causing this reaction because their body has stirred it, like right. onto it. So, I mean, what do you recommend for people that, because we talked about gut feelings versus anxiety, right? So what do you recommend if someone might have an inkling Mm -hmm. that my reaction goes deeper than it is, but they almost write it off as something that it's not? Got it. I think it takes a lot of self-awareness. Also acknowledging that your gut feeling is a completely different than like an anxious feeling or an anxious reaction. Yeah. So initially your gut feeling, your gut's there for a reason. It protects you. Um, And right away with a gut feeling, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And you're confident in that answer and you don't second guess yourself. It's just this heavy feeling. Most individuals feel it in their stomach. Other people feel it in their chest. Right. But natural instinct that we have, whereas anxiety, you can feel it in your chest a little bit. You can feel it in your hands, like slight tremors. It's more of these racing. What if thoughts, what if scenarios, um, worries that are paired with it. And then also like obsessive thoughts as well, too, such as rethinking about the situation over and over and over again. That's anxiety. Right. Because I was, I, I was definitely like that. I used to be like, that's, 
that's not anxiety. That's just me listening to my gut. Like, right. Because I just didn't know the awareness that you're talking about. So Mm -hmm. I think that could be powerful for people that like, maybe were like me and just didn't realize what anxiety looked like for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then also too, like how to really, really check yourself if you are experiencing a trigger and reacting from it. So let's say you reacted and then all of a sudden you felt guilt, shame, remorse, and then you beat yourself up for it. You should really look into that then, because most likely that is associated with your body reacting to a past trigger. Mm -hmm. Such as for an example, you and your partner, you get into a little argument and that is causing you to think back with your parents and their arguments and you just spit fire. That's like verbal response. And then all of a sudden you're just like, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Oh my God, that wasn't warranted for. And then you beat yourself up. And that is, you believe is associated like with that trauma that person received from witnessing their parents argue. Absolutely. Because what your mind is going to your amygdala is firing away with the anxiety, with even depression, with not being safe because it's very similar. And then your memory is distorted. So all of a sudden what you want to do, your defense mechanisms are kicking in to be safe. So you're going to attack to feel safe. And then come hit with like the the regret and like all of that. Absolutely. Because then your partner is not your parents. Your partner is going to respond and react differently. And then you see that and then you're like, wait, shit, I'm actually, it's Saturday, October 21st, 2023. Oof. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I just think the more I learn about it, like knowledge is power, right? So the Absolutely. more knowledge we have, the more I try to apply that to my issues that I'm always working on. And I do think when I'm in an argument, like my natural, when it gets too deep or it gets to a certain point, I genuinely just become like unemotional. Like I just, I'm there physically, but I am completely checked out. And that's typically when I was witness to arguments. I, especially as a child, I either did one of two things. I either like felt it all at once or I felt nothing. There was no middle ground for me. So I Mm -hmm. think like in my later life, I'm like, I don't want to be like a babbling brook right now, but I also don't know how to react. So I'm just not going to. Absolutely. And that's kind of like your inner critic trying to serve you to respond and react this way because you don't want to get hurt again. That's what it is at the end of the day. It's oh, just like, that it's just that like defend, 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 because if you do that, you're going to be safe. So essentially like it goes into like learn helplessness as well with oh, trauma. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Because, because this is like, it's a very natural instinct for your body to do all of this. And it takes a lot of psychoeducation. It takes a lot of awareness to really reflect and then change your behaviors and responses. Absolutely. Like when I hear, and this might sound bad and may be offensive to some, but it's just like my personal reaction. When I watch, when I watch like the bachelor or the bachelorette or these like love is blind stars and they sit there and like, you know, like I had a really traumatic childhood. Like my parents divorced. I sit there and I'm like, okay. And then what? You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. 
for sure. Like I'm right there with you. I experienced that too, but what are you doing about it? Like, cause that can't just be like the write-off and the reason for unhealthy habits and potentially being a bad partner to somebody. Like you can't just say like, well, I snapped at you because my parents are divorced and that's just the way it's going to be. Like that drives me nuts. Absolutely. I mean, to be blunt with you and maybe some tough love, I think that's an excuse not to self-reflect and to change. But I also think it's paired with fear because it's scary Mm -hmm. to understand, wow, my reactions are actually not okay. And I need to change. It takes a lot. Well, it takes a lot of accountability, which I think a lot, which it's hard. It is hard, but I think that also goes into generational trauma. Hence, so let's talk about just verbal abuse. Your grandparents have done it, which goes into your parents that are doing it. So then you start having these verbal disagreements with your partners, with friends, with coworkers to say, well, because my parents did it, then it's okay. Essentially, it is a norm for you. It's what you know. So essentially with like, let's split your brain in half. Yes, you are correct because that's what you were taught. That's what you know. That's what you observe. Right. But then the other half of you is like, you're not fully um, with your family dynamic every single day. You're with other people now. So you're seeing how different your responses may be and how that's not okay moving forward. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I think it's what you said. I think it's, and it's not going to happen quickly. Like, at least not for me. Like, uh-huh. this has been years of me pulling back layers of why I might react, like, almost like knee jerk to certain things and why I not, why I might not react at all when I should to other things. But I think, like, each year almost that goes by, I'm like, okay, like, we're pretty good with this area. Let's focus on this area now. But I think, it's what it goes back to everything you said. I think the first step is just really being more in tune to yourself. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. We all need to be more in tune with ourselves. So what would you say like therapist case right now? Like, what would all you right. say if people are listening and maybe this hit home in some way, shape or form, or maybe they are just becoming aware that they have certain anxieties what would you recommend they start doing to become more in tune with themselves? Or if they are partaking in healthy habits due to generational trauma, how could they start to change that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think a biggest thing is reaching out to a mental health professional and scheduling an appointment because speaking to another individual, they really see another perspective on what's going on right. rather than just yourself. Um, but personally, if you're not ready to take that step, I really think this opening up a book and journaling, just kind of like word vomit on what you're feeling, put it down. And then the next day, go back and to see if that's so valid. Cause if it's not, then it seems like it was an unwanted response. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then what do you, what is your advice for if people perhaps due to generational trauma, like you said, especially like verbal abuse or other habits that became your norm and you're now passing that on Mm -hmm. when you have that moment of like, okay, I just snapped in an argument and you're kind of aware of why, Mm -hmm. how do you rectify that situation with your partner then? I think you need to do that with yourself first. True. So how do you do that? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. I think you need to acknowledge first what has caused this reaction. Was it a specific word? Was it the tone of voice? There's so many things that you can go into and then state how you reacted and then restate how you can change that reaction. So let's say that you um, were extremely verbal back and abusive, such as you said something like pretty hurtful. How can you rephrase that by also getting your message across? Because we always say delivery is everything. It absolutely is. So what you're doing essentially is like some narrative therapy a little bit. So you're taking the event and then you're rewriting it how you want it to happen then the next time. It's pretty powerful. Because at the end of the day, you are in control of your narrative. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, also, I believe like checking in with yourself to like acknowledging like where you feel certain symptoms in your body. It's really, That's huge. Really it, because when you just talked about, you could feel it here in your chest, you could feel it more in your stomach. I literally thought to myself, where do you feel it? And I'm more of a chest person, like almost near my sternum. Like I feel it like right there, not so much in my gut. Got it. Got it. Which is very common. I mean, like for me, I feel it a lot in my chest. And then I also feel it in my head too. Like there's something telling me like, check out, check out, check out. Mm -hmm. And I just want to go numb. And I've been more aware of that. And I can catch on to that. So then what I do once I'm aware is I take like a couple of deep breaths, grounding myself such as, okay, the date, the time, and then I respond how I need to. And that's huge. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love therapist case. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm happy other people get to know her. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to learn about yourself. And I mean, till this day, we're still learning how our brain works and operates. I think I'll be learning how my brain works and operates until I'm six feet under the ground. Same. I mean, there are days where like, I just look at my, I'll like do something and I'll just be like, did I really just do that? Or did I really just say that? You know what I mean? It's just like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. But also give yourself grace. We are human beings. So. Oh yeah. And I, and I think you're only going to be a more better version of yourself. The more work you put into yourself. Like I look yeah. at myself even a year ago, two years ago in times of conflict or in times of like grieving or loss. And just yeah. like my ability to even talk about how I'm feeling has come a long way. Like I used to not talk about it at all. Like no. I always looked at like my mom and my sister, like how they would cry at movies. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be like that. Like, it's just, that's so emotional. And they just like wear their heart on their sleeve. And that's never going to be neat. Show me a commercial. It was, it, it was the Olympics. And it was like a Paralympic commercial of like her learning how to swim. And then like, she won the gold medal and ran to her mom. And I was blubbering. But I was also like, you know, like that was a very human reaction. And I'm proud of you for like, even allowing yourself to have that because five years ago, Jack would not do that at all. No, I'm proud of you too. You're being more vulnerable with your emotions. And I mean, that's also growth too. And another check-in instead of just like avoiding it. But I also want to end on this topic as well with the check-ins with growth and um, validating yourself and just changing your responses. Make sure you're doing this in a safe environment. So some tough love right now 
if you are in an abusive relationship, you cannot grow because you're going to constantly be re-triggered. And also if you start to change your behaviors, that abuser is going to catch on to that and then shame you for it because you were changing that and you're not operating the same. Well, that does not just mean physical abuse. No, absolutely not. And this does not mean a romantic partner. This can be friends. This can be coworkers. This can be family members. So make sure you are doing this work in a safe, comfortable place and with individuals that you trust. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good job. Thanks. So let's change topics a little bit. now Now that we've hit everybody with like the heavy stuff, let's like switch it on a lighter note so that people keep listening to us (laughs) and they're just not like, "Mm, we're going to avoid them because all they talk about is the deep stuff. But I do think it's necessary, but you're right. Let's switch it up, switch gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. So to switch gears, I know we were trying to like think about a positive and what to talk about. And I told you this year, my partner and I, we decided instead of giving gifts for the holiday season, we're going to give each other experiences and we just like both love the idea. We're going to do like a staycation in Colorado. We're going to go to like a sauna, get like massages and just like disconnect from the world for a little bit. Yes, please. And I think that's more valuable than actually giving like a gift or a necklace or a t-shirt. For sure. I agree with you. I think when I genuinely think about my favorite Christmases growing up, or even now, like in my marriage, it's more so the decorating of the tree or, or cutting down the tree and like watching all of our favorite movies and just like huddling on the couch together under like cozy blankets or Andrew and I, we make the same like appetizers every year together. And like, we always look forward to that. I think it is more of the experience and the moments Mm -hmm. that make the holiday, not so much the objects. I agree. So with that, is your love language quality time then? Like what you like to receive? Yeah, I would agree. I would say words of affirmation, quality time are pretty big for me. I mean, that makes sense because that's mine as well. But I know what you like to give is gifts. Yeah, I love, (laughs) I love giving gifts. The embarrassing thing is that I am an exquisite gift giver for everyone in my life, except my husband. Oh my gosh. Can you please share your anniversary gift with everyone? The mortifying, mortifying. one of my favorite stories of you and Andrew. (laughs) Cringe. So in this past August, we celebrated our five-year anniversary, which it does really feel, thank you. It does really feel like it was the first, like, I don't know, big one, like serious one. Like, you know, once you make it like to five, it's like, yay. Yeah, I guess I don't remember this, but I guess when Andrew and I first got married, mind you, as a 24 year old person, I was a lot younger. I guess I said to him, oh, well, when we're like five years, what you guess, I know I guess you back then you a hundred percent said it, just own up to it. No, you're right. Okay. (laughs) Now call me out. You're totally right. This is just so cringe. I said to him, <laughs> like five years is a really big deal. And I think that I deserve like maybe a ring upgrade or something like really fancy jewelry wise, because that's like going to be the first big one. Mm-hmm. I 
definitely forgot that I said that five years later. Like I didn't forget that it was a big deal, but I don't know. And so I was looking at gifts for him and I was like, you know, his like Beats headphones are like so outdated. Like, I think that'd be a gift that he would like use every day, especially if he gets deployed again. So I think like, I'm going to knock it out of the park with this one. And his mom was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like that's a really good gift. And I was like, oh, I am just killing it. Like, this is just great. And so we, it was time to exchange gifts. And he got me like this stunning diamond necklace. And it like took my breath away. And I was like, wow. Like, but still thinking that like the Beats headphones were like it, right? Like that matched the level. Yeah. And I was like, this is just the, one of the nicest things, I, most beautiful things I've ever received. I can't wait to wear it. I like freaked out. And then it was like two weeks later when we were talking about our anniversary gifts, he looked at me and he was like, do you remember what you said our first year married? And I was like, what? Like about what? He was like, you literally said five years is the best one. And you were expecting like a ring upgrade or like some sort of extravagant gift. And you got me beat headphones. <laughs> and I was like, my mouth dropped. And I was like, oh, like, yep, yep. That was me. And I was like, that is fair. That's a fair reaction. And like, he didn't, at the end of the day, like he's not the type of person to like gifts are like everything for him. But when yeah. I tell you, and I think you can attest to this, I'm a great gift giver. Am I not? You are. You really are. Just to everyone in my life, except the person that loves me the most. <laughs> You're married to. That I'm just spending the rest of my life with. I'm just, he's just also subjected to, I guess, the worst gifts forever. And everyone else gets the best ones. Well, and I'm not trying to like degrade the necklace because it is absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. However, Andrew, I think you're going to wear the beats more times than what you're going to wear the necklace. Because I feel like it is like for special occasions and like anniversaries. Like you don't want to wear it every day and get dirty. I just think he was going into it thinking that like, all right, five years ago, she said this, like this is it. And meanwhile, I'm like, let me go get some beat headphones on Amazon. (laughs) You used to cut the grass with the headphones now. Literally. Well, that it. was just funny. The moral of that story is if someone truly loves you, they will be okay with getting yeah. maybe they're not best. But also, yeah, I think it's important too. Like, even if you've been married for 30 years or if this is your first time together, talk about gifts. Is there a limit? Like, what do you want to do? How do you want to receive it? Is it an experience or is it actually like an object? Everybody's different. I just, you know, I guess five years ago, I was really focused in on. Yeah. And I now mean, that I'm older, I like look at my ring and I'm like, I don't want an upgrade. Like, what were you talking about? Grow crazy. Grow baby. <laughs> it's all about we- the journey. It is, but circling back to our first episode, we said that every single year we change and that we're different. We're still learning about one another and each other. And it's almost been a full year of the podcast. Wow, it has. We started in November, right? Mm-hmm. Like you talk about a full circle. <laughs> we had a lot of those. I mean, I think it's like a circle with like, I don't know, some ridges in it. I don't think it's a perfect one. 
it's fun at times. And then other times it's just like, get me off. <laughs> it's a, it's a ride for sure. It is. But speaking of that, we're going to ride into season two of JK. Not really. I can't wait. We're, it's, we're going to get even more vulnerable, even more spicy, maybe. And we're going to have some guests on too and mm-hmm. with their professions as well. And just hear from them. I'm excited. I can't wait. And I just, I can't wait to just keep doing this with you and to just take more and more people along for this bumpy and fabulous ride. Nonetheless, it's worth it. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you in season two. Woohoo! Put it in.